0: You are listening to the Break Free from Your Monkey Mind podcast, where you will be introduced to various techniques, ideas, and guests, providing you with ways to improve your mental health and help you take the first step towards your goals and aspirations. Let us inspire you today to learn, grow, and succeed. Here's your host, Tony Gordon.
1: Afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're well, Welcome to Break Free from Your Monkey Mind, season four, episode ten. Uh, I'm Tony, and with me tonight's my co-host, Leanne. Hi, Leanne.
0: Hello, Tony. Hi.
1: How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: Good, I'm good. Thanks for the probably Week, so yeah. And we've got a guest tonight, Mel. Mel Young. So, Mel, how are you this evening? I'm
2: good, thank you. Thanks for inviting
1: me. Thank you me. very much for coming on. Appreciate it. So. First question we
2: ask everybody comes on. it tells who they are. So who is Mel? So it is. It's quite difficult not to jump straight into <laughs> what your profession is because <laughs> you tend to, um, you tend to marry that up, don't you? Um, but yeah, who is Mel? So I'm a very outgoing um person, and I, am a, have always been a very active person to a certain point. When I was younger, I was involved in every single sport and fitness event that you could possibly think of when I was at school and stuff like that. So I was always very, very active. Um I've always been quite creative and kind of artistic. Um love to travel. Absolutely love travel. If I could travel the world, I would do it tomorrow. Um and that is my plan to see as much of the world as possible. Um and yeah, I I love helping people hence why I've ended up um having this career. And yeah, I'm trying to think of other things. <laughs> um yeah, I'm a very driven person. So once I set my mind to something, um I won't stop until I get it. So I would say that's that's a big trait of mine as well. But yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> so what other
1: hobbies do you have? What
2: are things you do when you're not working? Um when I'm not working well tra- travel is my one main thing that I would say like brings me complete happiness I love to see as much of the world as I possibly can um hill walking stuff like that I think you hit a certain age and that becomes your hobby doesn't it um <laughs> so I love to kind of travel out I'm going to Glencoe in a couple of weeks and we're going to do some um hills and stuff there so yeah I like to do that, and um reading I would say is something that I've I've started to do quite a lot of and yeah kind of I've just started to try and get into the meditation and stuff like that because I find that is a massive help um, and it's something that's something that's quite new but I'm starting to really get into that um, and enjoy that as well Um, so yeah i'm going to just put my charger on here
1: <laughs> so you love traveling what's one place you've been to then that you say is really
2: a favorite croatia that's up there with one of my favorite places um we were quite lucky and we got to go kind of when lockdown lifted before it came on us again um and between that time we managed to get away to Croatia and we travelled about, so we went to all different parts. We took rucksacks instead of suitcases and we had stayed in a hostel one night and then we moved around the country and we seen different parts and it was amazing. It was the best experience. I would go back there in a heartbeat. It was beautiful. Um, the food's lovely. People are nice. Um, so yeah, that's probably up there with one of my favourites. So yeah, next on the list I would say is... um. Portugal, I'm going to go to Lisbon and Italy as well, that's my next two places.
1: You'll love Lisbon, I've been Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If you love food, it's definitely growing. If you love yeah. seeing sights and places, you'll love Lisbon. Especially yeah. Bell and Tarot, just the outside, you know, it's got as well as Lisbon. that's a great place to go. And yeah.
2: It looks beautiful. I, um, I've been looking up stuff and researching it and stuff and it does. I'm really looking forward to it. It looks outstanding.
1: If you ever like things like that, want, it to great to do as a cruise in the mid. Because it gives you a chance to see places and you only get like a day. But what really lies going to them is, is places you will go back to later. So when we go there, see what they're like, you'll we'll actually do it like this. They'll go back here, like Barcelona's one like that. Because there's just so yeah. much to do. Lisbon being a couple days because there's just so much to do in Lisbon. So you mm-hmm. find you'll go you'll see size, you go, oh, that's great. I want to make you there's not as much as I thought here. So would it wouldn't be worth coming for a week or not? But then yeah. you
2: can do that. Like try before cool. you buy. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's a broad <laughs> way of doing it. You enjoy it as well. <laughs> yeah. So you have said reading as well, didn't mean, what kind of books do you read?
2: So at the moment, because I'm in my first few years of my business, so a lot of them are kind of like self-help and business related stuff to kind of help research for that um Jen Sincero a couple of hard books um I find have been really really good and there's another one it's a kind of it gives you sales advice because it's something that when you do your qualifications and stuff the sales part of it's you don't ever get taught that side of things you kind of need to learn that on your own um it's the a persuasion hitman it's like the tactics of a persuasion hitman or something that is called that's a great book um when it comes to sales and stuff so yeah a lot of them have been business related self-help that kind of thing um and I'm enjoying I I like to learn I like to kind of get as much information out as possible um I found that that's my preferred way of reading rather than kind of fiction or fantasy or anything like that um I, I like to be learning as much as I can
1: yeah. it's um the good books, anything like that that can help you to keep developing as well mm-hmm. as a create and it can only help your clients, which will come yep. shortly. But it helps them because you'll learn more about you.
0: 100 yeah. percent yeah. So Mel, you're gonna tell us what you do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes. sure everyone's eager to know now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I am a personal trainer. Um I think I don't think we do ourselves justice saying personal trainer because we're so much more than just a personal trainer or what people perceive that to be um so I would say I'm a, I'm a coach because we coach so many different aspects um of life that comes with that um yeah so I own my own facility I have got a small gym studio and um, where my clients come and train at the moment um I'm fairly new to the game to be honest and um, this is something that's came along it was lockdown that made me make the decision to take the plunge and leave my career of nearly 14 years so previously I worked within pharmacy and acute pharmacy Um, and I spent nearly 14 years working within that um sector and this is that is basically what kind of led me to be a personal trainer and reasons behind it because as like we, we chatted about earlier about medication and how people are always kind of turned to medication um as I kind of grew older through my career in pharmacy I began to kind of realize that there is other options it's not just turning to medication is not the the only way and fitness and nutrition and stuff like that can massively change your life without you having to take medication so my kind of motto that I like to say is I like to try and help people fix the problem rather than
0: medicate the symptoms. Um, Did you you find a pattern when you're in pharmaceuticals with the sort of things you kept getting in regularly? Oh yeah. Did you look at them and think you know you you could actually do this instead of being on
2: this? 100% yeah Mm. And, and it's hard to see when I've always been into fitness as I said earlier I've always, I was an active kid but don't get me wrong I hit a stage in my life where I wasn't so active and I ended up putting weight on and I became quite unhealthy so going through that own my own experience of that and then getting fit and healthy again um so you've I had that aspect of it and then working in the hospitals and just seeing like how so many people are just directed to medication before at kind of exercising, nutrition nutrition's even mentioned and there's so many people you're looking at thinking my god you could help yourself so much more by doing these other things or having a different approach to it Um, but people it's not their fault because it's a wee bit like they're, they're not kind of educated on it, Nobody's, nobody helps them nobody teaches them how to do these things so when someone says say, yeah you should exercise more and you should eat a bit better it kind of means nothing if you don't really know how to do that Um, and I do feel like doctors these days will always say that to people they'll always always try and get them to eat healthier or exercise more but that's as far as the advice goes or they'll say look up this website and it'll tell you and it doesn't really give you that much information Um, so then the the problem doesn't go away so then the medication is given to to mask the symptoms to try and it kind of hides it a wee bit um, and that was where I kind of thought you know I don't want to kind of be involved in this just dishing out obviously there's medication out there that's needed and that helps people massively but there's a lot of it that could be avoided. and, yeah. that's and my
0: main Many many years ago um PT trainers used to be purely about your fitness and yeah. what you're eating and that was it you say mm-hmm. you're you're a coach so obviously you're working with people's mental health in their journey all the way through Mm -hmm. how how do you find that's different now to what it was before when say you maybe have gone to a gym and got your own personal trainer how do you Mm -hmm. find that what you do is different and how does it help people more I think as a personal trainer
2: like we all have the base foundations that help people so you have your foundations like we have to move more out with the gym we have to lift weights when we're in the gym and we need to eat Healthy foods in order to for it all to work. So that's the foundations of it all. But in order to get people to actually change, change their mindset, change, fully make changes in habits and default behaviors, we need to delve a bit deeper. So I'll start to look at past the surface level stuff, which is that foundation stuff. And we start to look at behaviors and habits and where we can change that and um, build trust within yourself trusting that you're making the right choices realizing that you have a choice and that you don't need to just do what you've always done so there's all these kind of aspects of it that people don't even realize until you highlight it to them then they just go about their daily business and focus solely on the foundational things rather than kind of looking a bit further further in and a bit deeper um so it's all that kind of stuff that we help people with and it's a huge huge subject and obviously that's where I'll get people like Tony to to come in and do calls for my clients to help them in specific aspects where he's get more um he's educated more on specific areas I've got a kind of mental health coach um life coach who does things for uh, she holds zoom calls for my clients things like how to stop emotional eating or tactics that you can use to help with that, um, how to deal with stress, stress, anxiety, overthinking. This is all part of the process, becoming healthier, fitter and eating better. You need to look at all the other aspects of your life, like yeah. how much stress you're under and
0: how much anxiety you're feeling and stuff. Yeah, I I definitely agree with all that. When I was in my early 20s, I joined a gym, um, wanted to get fit, hated PE at school I, absolutely hated it, but I, was, I was a dancer from the age of three so I was a Latin and ballroom dancer so that was where I got my exercise but put me in a, a PE class no thank you that yeah. wasn't for me um, <laughs> but I decided to join a gym because I was very much into boxing so I loved all that joined a gym and I was told by a personal trainer that I had um, a very high BMI I was only I was 10 stone i um, I'm five foot six so okay to them, I was overweight. I didn't look overweight. I was only a size 12. They told me I had a massive BMI um, and I was obesity overweight. Now, I could have gone one or two ways. I could have gone, oh, my God, my world could have fallen apart thinking because of the state of me or do what I did and just thought, okay, well, I'll exercise. But the problem with me is a bit like you, I'm, I'm driven. And I kind of took it too far. And I went in a year from 10 stone four down to seven stone two. Mm-hmm. um with no help along the way with what i was doing i just thought oh this weight's dropping off let's keep going let's keep going and it just got down to a point where i ended up having to see a dietitian to try and put weight back on mm-hmm. um i would then put myself through putting things like coins in my pockets so that i could get on the scales <laughs> and go, Look, i've gained weight things like that because i was i was told on my first experience of a gym you're overweight and i thought mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be put in that position again. Now, if I was given somebody like yourself that would have said to me, look, let's have a look at why you're at this BMI, BMI doesn't actually matter. It's about your yeah. health, your fitness, and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have been at a healthy, happy weight instead of getting to a, a dangerously thin weight where my bones were all exposed and I was, yeah, I was on the verge of collapsing. You created
2: um, an unhealthy behavior with something that's supposed to be really really good you've then got that association with that that that's ended up being quite a bad thing which that's is, right. is terrible
0: yeah yeah and I was also told um by the one gym trainer don't eat carbs don't eat this don't eat that you know you've got to do this you've got to exercise so much a day and everything else and I got so obsessed with it that I finally found a trainer who turned around and said how many potatoes do you eat a day? And I went, oh no, I don't touch potatoes. I don't touch pasta. And they went, that's where you're going wrong. You need yeah. to start eating a balanced diet. And that wasn't explained to me. Mm-hmm. And then it all started to click into place. I mean, I was in my early twenties. So yeah. at that point, I just kind of thought being skinny was the way to be instead mm-hmm. of now being, I mean, I've put a lot of weight on because I've had a little boy. So, you know, I gained it. I blame lockdown, but I gained it in that. <laughs> um, But the... The, the size the mental side of it is something that was lacking say mm-hmm. 17 years ago so that is something that I found very difficult so if you had a client that came to you in the same situation as me and started mm-hmm. to spiral down would you notice the signs and be able to pull them back yeah hundred percent um
2: we, we probably wouldn't ever get to that point point obviously because as soon as someone comes in we have systems in place that we know exactly where that where they are and what plan of action we're taking to go forward but yeah I've had people like I have people who have joined who have had similar experiences because you know when you do your PT course you're not taught anything about the mental health side of things you're not given any of this information it's down to you as a person to go and seek that information and learn about it and then take it upon yourself to then install that in your business so not all pts will do that stuff um it is a choice that you need to make but yeah if someone started to go down that route it's about as a as me as a coach i need to be ready and fully prepared to have uncomfortable conversations with people that sometimes don't want to hear and i think that's the to be a good coach you need to be good at doing that and feel quite comfortable having that uncomfortable conversation and um, because I can remember when I first started, you were always, at, yeah, you always had that fear. You didn't want to upset anyone or you didn't want to say something that was, or, or you just felt so uncomfortable saying it. You maybe was like, oh, I just I don't want to say that. But over time, it be, it, it's more detrimental to the client if you don't say it. Um, so it would definitely be nipped in the bud and just being open and honest and transparent with the patient and saying like, this is, this is the route that you're going and this is where it's going to end up and let's try something else and it's there's no one size fits all we need to be able to change and adapt to suit your client depending on what they're going through and what's happening in their life um, and how their mindset like where their mindset is is at at that moment in time so with regards to like their nutrition their exercise it needs to be flexible and adaptable to suit them and to work for them so yeah it would just be a case of finding what work what would
0: work to change that situation um but yeah. So the whole BMI thing. Oh. What what what's your yeah <laughs> that, that says it? Because you go on some and,
1: years it, and she's
0: yeah, no. still <laughs> on about it. You you get some websites, um, especially um NHS. Over here NHS, you know, it's very much oh, by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like BMI, BMI, you know, is your BMI high? You know, you've got to drop this amount of weight and all that. You could look absolutely perfect with the healthiest um Attitude, the healthiest meal plan, everything else, but because you're this number's high, you're clinically obese and yeah. you're on that scale. Now, other sites tell you BMI is complete rubbish um and ignore it. It's it's nothing, yeah. you know. They can't. How can you judge, you know, your body mass and all that just mm. by a calculation? So, yeah, what's what's your take on it? <laughs> so, I personally don't use BMI whatsoever. It's never
2: mentioned to any of my clients. Um, personally I think it's an old-fashioned thing it's a metric that the NHS so they they need to have some sort of metric that they follow and they have continued to follow this metric that's been there for so long that needs to be updated and changed and there needs to be a new metric that they can use somehow but it's so I don't know it's such a thing that's been set in stone for such a long time I don't know how easy it would be because they would have to change so many of their procedures so many of their rules and their their sops and stuff
0: but that, that is, is still something There is still something that people go by and you know that's affecting their mental health oh 100% yeah and like so like I've seen women
2: myself who have been told this and that they're not overweight it's because of their height doesn't match up to the so and they're devastated It can totally mess with people's heads. and obviously when it comes to women having children they use that as the decider for if they can get IVF and all that kind of thing as well. And it's just, yeah, I don't know how they can justify it, to be honest, when it's when the NHS is there
1: to help you. I agree it's totally outdated, but one of the reasons they still do it, they say, because it, when you look at the figures of our whole, the whole nation mm-hmm. and you use the BMI, the majority of ones who do fit as in the obese or overweight, it does actually fit with them. What it doesn't take into consideration, some that you are talking about, is... I used to do a lot of sport with like kickboxing, rubbing up. And we'd a lot of guys who, worked, who, were us, who were in the gym all the time. I wasn't. Um, but they were always in it all the time. And I worked a lot of girls uh, as well. And we, all these guys who were big bodybuilders who didn't have an ounce of fat in their whole body. But if they used the BMI scale, every one of them is a beast. One of them used to love getting told that he was a beast because he was just saw in that and he went, But I haven't got a problem. And then he walks in and the doctor the him and go, Why are you here to listen? But because that's what it says on his cabin, like he was a beast. But it never knows the fact for one worried that's the whole point of what you does. And so I think it's, because it's hit so many people, right, it's difficult that we find something else that's going to give that same figure. That's mm-hmm. the thing. What they need to do is speak to people yourself. Speak to people in the industry who deal with people who like from fitness instructors as well, but more ones who have coaches that who can see yeah. how detrimental it can also be. When you look at the young, 17 years and she's still to And oh, isn't I it know because the way you talk about it is little scabbed about you, 17 mm-hmm. years, because the way they told you that and the way you looked at yourself, look at the impact it had on you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's something that we know from looking at that, it, that things can go wrong. But what we need to do is it's always great people saying this doesn't work. I said this when my issue was going to GP and get told you need this medication for the rest of your life. Now but I don't want that, but that's what you need. Only because they didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. I had to go and find a way. But then I had to go back to them and say, wait a minute, I don't want any more to take, I'm sick of taking morphine. I want something different. How can I do it? And it's you can only do it if you give them the option. So Mm -hmm. turn around and say the BMI doesn't work. What does then? So give them the option, what does work and what can they put in place that would still have the impact to gather as many people into that that need the help? And I think that's where a lot of the NHS or doctors and things that don't take in, board they're still called movie or all these things that physical training and mental health stuff that we do is not Western medicalisation, so it can't be right, It's only because they don't understand, and they'll use the word there, they're not educated enough to understand how it is, but neither is the problem. Mm-hmm. They'll go by what the NHS says, because for the last 15 years, that's all they've ever known, is that the NHS is our health, that word is the NHS, National Health Service. Mm-hmm. But yet, yeah, you look at other people who do know who, who work out with that, who can help so many people. That's where we need to get together. And there is a thing called the Complementary Medical Association run by Janie Goddard who's trying to do that. She's trying to bring all this research evidence to show that the two can go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I think what Mel's saying there is already shown a that in every direction because I've seen some other, been in courses with PTs who are now doing university programming coaching courses, hypnotherapy, even one of them, to use to help with the clients. So there is steps going forward. And you must have seen a big change in that from being in the NHS then and the limitations that you have but that's a big responsibility on you then to certainly do it to help your clients because they've only ever known that one way
2: mm-hmm. yeah like what you're saying there about like going back to the weight thing there's so many contributing factors that will affect what weight you would be in the scale mm-hmm. when you stand on the scales like you've said these big guys obviously it's muscle that's causing yeah. the weight they're not getting fat in their body but it can also be things like inflammation and so many like millions of people have got inflammation in their body in one way or another Mm. if you go and lift and do a massive weight session the next day you will weigh more purely just because your muscles will be inflamed so even that alone will cause you to weigh more there's so many contributing factors so it's very difficult for something as large as the nhs with as Mm. many people that goes to it how do you possibly condense that into a new way of doing it. And that's why they're probably just stuck with the, the BMI because they probably look at it like it's impossible to to change it in a way where you're taking into consideration all the contributing factors to, to it. Um,
1: because there is no alternative at this moment in time. Yeah. We need to find a way that we can do that and again have some sort of scale or something that they can be measured against. Because mm-hmm. you remember that's what they look at. How did they know that the treatment course they're given is working? Because oh no, I know. Such-
2: it's literally measure. the more you
1: get down they know the better the suppose working it's not necessarily but to them it does
2: yeah they're basically given a drug formula, and it goes by like the cheapest to the most expensive and they start with the cheapest and that's how they that's how they make the decision of where to start whereas personally I think they should prescribe people a, a coach to coach them to get them fitter and healthier mm-hmm. so are we prescription pad I've tried I'll <laughs> <well>, <laughs>
1: I think something that we did recently is what I would love to see more people doing is we linked up together to help business owners who are struggling with their business because physically and mentally they're just drained. They're usually eight to two years into business and they're luckily hitting a point, like a brick wall, but the mental state gets bad, which means physically they don't look after themselves. So we did a thing with that recently with them and a great feedback with them. And I'd love to see more of that. I've been saying this for the last 14, 15 months because I've been doing this that people need to look at them hand-in-hand, hand, physical and mental side, and you'll then the NHS two separate things. Yeah, you I know, get mental health treatment or you get physical health treatment. They don't go, they don't cross over. They don't deal with that. Psychiatrists don't speak to the GP of what you need for them. They don't speak to the consultant who's going to be in the hospital You, that if you're in an operation for some physical, then you need to go and see another referral to go and see another specialist that actually both things together is what you need to help with. And that's what we need to get into. How do we get more of that when well, you do, Melvin, well, then to educate more people that this is what we need to do? Is it not only does it need to be a better measure on the NHS, we need to look at the physical and mental side of people together.
2: Mm-hmm. 100% agree. It's, it goes hand in hand. Um, you Anyone can move more and eat better for a certain period of time, but if you have not been educated fully and you don't fully understand why you're doing it, the benefits of it, um, the, the difference it can make to your life, then it, it won't ever be something that you is sustainable or that you do for forever. Um, it really needs to be set in deep, and you need to have a deeper understanding, which takes it to, like, maybe it needs to start from when you're in school. You need to be educated in it, both physical and mentally, that way from a younger age, um, or maybe, like, high school, maybe a wee bit older so it's not too young, because there's obviously
0: a, a line that you can cross where they would be too young but I suppose you say that sorry Mel you say that sorry. I mean my my son's three he's just started <laughs> nursery now he got a place at one nursery and their motto was it's all about food eat mm-hmm. eat eat the whole time he's there um and I thought oh hang on a minute I don't want him eating the whole day um mm-hmm. they said they'll have one fruit one fat one carbohydrate um and I can't remember what the other thing was but it was it was a group and for at that day, he'd have one of each and he'd graze all day. And I thought, I don't want that. My son's used to having three meals a day with healthy snacks in between. He got offered a place at another um, nursery. Their motto was they get fruit or veg of a morning and that is their snack or in the afternoon, depending on what time they go. So mm-hmm. I not only opted for that option, but the, the one I didn't want to send him to is the one that's going to feed him all day. So, I'm thinking I'm feeding him his lunch before he goes, and my child's going to get home. What won't, won't want his dinner because he's been snacking and eating all all afternoon. So, I put him into the other nursery, and when he comes home, we always say to him, What did you have for your snack? And he, he comes up with the weirdest things, but I've seen pictures of what they feed them. And he'll go, Oh, today I had peppers and apple. And I go, Oh, okay, was that nice? Because it was lovely. And he loves his fruit and veg, but he gets excited that he'll have. Because I'm allergic to orange, so he gets orange at school, which he can't have at home. So he'll say, I, "I had orange and kiwi today," and he makes a big point at three years old of being really excited about what he has, and mm-hmm. he loves his fruit and veg. Um, All anyway, right, he loves his sweet, like his chocolate and his biscuits, but his fruit and veg is like bread and butter. But I find that I found that if he had gone to the other one, he probably would, because they said, "You've got to feed me his lunch before he comes." he's there for three hours and that three hours they said we'll give him things like beans on toast um yogurts ice cream biscuits crisps and I'm thinking my child's going to go and he's going to end up like a little little balloon by the time he's finished nursery and that really put me off that was one of the main things that really put me off sending him there and so I think that there is no at young age to start educating them because if you think of when a a child starts weaning you start weaning them with pureed food which wouldn't be biscuits and crisps it's going to be things like um what he had uh, sweet potato mashed up um Mm -hmm. you know all that sort of pulpy stuff which he got a taste of that at a young age um and, you know, from sort of six months, he was really into it all. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine now sending him to a, a nursery that would just feed him rubbish continually all afternoon. So, so I
2: think that's because you're quite educated on it. But if there's parents out there that they just have never been taught any of this stuff. So if they are not installed, so that's great that you do that at that age and he's learning this stuff you've chosen that nursery which is going to really really help with that but there is some parents out there that they they just do not have a clue when it comes to food they don't know what's what's a healthier option what's less healthier to a certain extent um so if they are not instilling that into the child from a young age and then we go in and try to educate them like if we were like trying to bring a course into a school and stuff then it becomes very difficult because it needs to be happening at home mm. for it then to be like taken on board I feel um because like a one-day course isn't going to change their minds massively because yeah. I have adults coming in that have kids and they literally have never been taught a single thing about nutrition they just when you say carbs protein fats if you have to give them a list and ask them what
0: was what like some of them don't don't know they just they have no idea one of the things that yeah my son um we got a we get a school report for every fortnight and one of the things was he made carrot soup he made carrot soup in nursery and they showed me photos of him actually peeling the carrots Mm -hmm. and they said he's understanding and his knowledge of how you peel vegetables and how you chop them and the safety aspect and everything else and nutrition aspect was absolutely out of this world and I went Oh, yeah. He does it on a Sunday with his dad. He always helps us cook every night. But on a Sunday, my partner will always do a roast dinner and he always gets him at the island and he gets him peeling and everything else at three years old. So a lot of parents would say, oh, they're too young for that. But he's supervised. He's safe. And he's already learned at the age of three. Things are sharp. Keep your hands out of the way. And it's reflected already in nursery by them turning around and saying he's the first child that's done it and the first child that actually ate the soup and finished yeah. it <laughs> and <laughs> i was like yeah that's my boy but um <laughs> yeah that is something i do agree um mm-hmm. that parents need to yeah educate themselves how to educate their children on the food side of things yeah and that's something that i'll say to
2: guy. like if, if people are inquiring sometimes i'll say look yeah you might be doing this for you to get healthier and fitter but the knowledge and the the information that you will gain that you can pass on to your children you can stop them from having the same issues that you've had later in life so yes yeah, getting people to realize like yeah you help yourself but you're going to help your family much much more um and stop that same vicious cycle that you went through because a lot of the time like everyone is just winging it no one taught our mums and dads no one really taught their mums and dads we, everyone was kind of left to just wing it and go on with it and we were all kind of taught to ignore hunger cues because of the way things were we were taught to you ate everything or you didn't move or you don't get a dessert if you don't finish your dinner so you're taught to ignore the fact that you're full because you you want the dessert and there's so many different things in there that that people have picked up over the years through no fault no one's fault it's just the way things were but it's now a point where I feel like I'm really trying to help change that and help them help their kids so they don't have the same. There is same
1: no game. That's the problem. those people say there's books and commitment on it, but you've also got to look at the social cultural aspect of that. A lot mm-hmm. of people who don't have a lot of money look at fruit, fresh fruit, vegetables being like an extra because the amount of money can cost. So they will look at a couple of tins of beans or beans and sauces whatever the cheap things are, compared to buying a pepper or an apple. When you look at that and say you pay 56 p for an apple, they can get some small or something for the kids rather than that. That's also a thing, is that I think where the education is great, still, we need to do more of that. But it's also because we've got to consider how do we do it for the ones who haven't got the money to really buy all the healthy things that their kids will really need. And when you say mm-hmm. saying Leanne about the two nurseries, that like one, looking at more being the way modernized we should be looking at things. But the other one, the reason they feed them like that, or they used to say oh, they always do that, is because the amount of energy they burn up. So they begin, should they have a fuel them up, so the energy can burn as they play all day when they're in a the nursery. So that's why they used to do things like that. It's getting that, because the last thing you want them to hold to their parents and say, they're starving, they're not running all day. They go, What do you feed, my kids on in there. So it's the education in for the nurseries. We need to understand that things have changed now, and not everybody wants a child mm. to that. If you get them the right food at the right times of day, which not always, it's not necessarily three square meals, we've had this proper life at the three meals, is it? But it isn't. A lot of people I know don't eat that way. They eat smaller meals, snacks throughout the day, smaller meals throughout the day, and they're probably a lot health than them. But it's because of the way they're educated compared to us. And it's just, yeah, we get into this routine thing. Yeah. Same as you said, and I love the thing is uh, a chef called came home. Um, he's a, an Asian chef. And Ken Holmes had a great thing. He always laughs when you look at the things we put on a place over here went because you just put the meat and try and work out what vegetables people go to the side of it. They do the vegetables and work out what meat might accompany that because the veg is the most important part. That's the bit for yeah. them that's most important they need, and it's is the healthier part. Yeah, you need your protein, the protein's not as much as you need the rest of it. So why yeah. do you do the horse around? And it's true. Everyone I grew up food. like that. Yeah, yeah. If you get the protein first slammed on your plate, then what can we go with that? And you sit and go, well, we're having chicken as we What do we have? But you never say, well, I've got this veg in here. What will go with the veg? And that's kind mm-hmm. of simple education that we don't have, that he's been saying for 20, 30 years on TV. and We still yeah. haven't got the messages Is that you can enjoy food with the colours, with the smell, do the look. And it does just as great, but it's actually better for you than having yeah. the next level of meat and meat and two veg they got on a plate. And, it, yep. and it's something, your child's doing that because the colours and everything. Bits but attracts him as well with the apple and uh, the pepper. It's sons that go, some that we wouldn't think of, but they probably do go together. But it's great heaven, that. But
0: oh, absolutely, it's yeah.
1: all education. We all agree with that. That what each is does, everybody that knows that education is the biggest thing we need to bring mental health and physical to become the one thing. Just talk about health. It's called the National Health Service, it's not called the National Physical Health Service or the Mental Health Service, so that should be the same. PTs like Mel's doing should be the way forward as well. That they're looking at, okay, it's important to understand. You might not be a total nutritionist, but I need to understand about that diet to explain if I'm going to get you to train, how do you actually sustain that? You need to be eating the right way to be able to do that. Then people like us who work more with the mind need to understand we need people like Mel to actually then go hand in hand with what we do and say so we can get you mentally right and you can feel better. But if you don't eat the right foods, I can tell them all these great things to do mentally. But they don't eat the right food that draws them down, they don't have the energy levels, they don't have the feeling got in themselves to feel great mm-hmm. if they don't leave. So, we all need to get together. And these people, and I i love something you two said because I'm trying this thing is getting to educate people when do we decide it's too young? From a, a psychologist point of view, we look at 18 to two years roughly as when children really start to develop things because they start understanding what yes and no, as you just mentioned, you're boys on three. You start understanding yes and no, What's I can do, what you cannot do. So does that mean if we teach a little bit about food, right from that? Yes, that's good to me. No, that's not. So they could start learning from that age. Although the bodies are developing, we could teach them as the body development that through stages in their life, they're going to change one with food they have because they need more as they start to grow. And then... Different.
0: And their behavior is different as well. That is a major mm-hmm. thing. I mean, I know with my son, if he has a day of eating things like donuts, crisp biscuits, and he sort of like has a, a day of that, um, then his attitude, his behavior, his sleep pattern, everything goes out the window. And then the next day when he goes back to his He's he's very set on his, he has to have his blueberries with his breakfast of the morning. And when he goes back to his fruit and veg, he's calmer, he's relaxed, um, he sleeps better, his overall well-being and his health has improved, and his attitude's improved as well. And I find that you'll you'll go to schools where you'll see some children that are sleep deprived, they're acting out, they the parents can't control them. I always say look at their diet. And they go, oh, what do you mean? You know, they eat, they eat, you know, they eat, they eat a balanced diet. But what do they eat? That's the thing. And, okay, I'm not, I'm not perfect with his diet. Don't get me wrong. He had a chocolate donut today. I'll hold my hands up. Um, you know, he has a nanny, he has a chocolate donut. But the, to me, that's as long as he's getting so much fruit and veg a day, he can have the odd treat every now and then. I don't deprive him. I've, I'm not one of those parents that's like, you're not having that. But I monitor what he's eating. And what he's drinking, he's never had a fizzy drink in his life. I don't encourage fizzy drinks. Um, sugar, he will not have sugared sweets. I I don't mind him having chocolate, but there's no ways he having Harry Bows or anything like that because I'm not having him bouncing off the walls. I've even had to stop meeting Jamie Dodgers because the the sugar and the, <laughs> the Tony's like, oh god, you horrible mother. They make it. No, they make a so like prison. Yeah. It is, it is, it's a prison camp, but that makes him bounce off the walls, and I've noticed them signs, though, and I've stopped it. To be honest though,
2: adults are the exact same, so yeah. when it comes, it's not just kids, like for adults, what, what the effects are made, it can heighten your anxiety, it can heighten your stress, your sleep is massively affected depending on what your food choices have been, and um, what if you're eating really close to bed? You're, you won't get a good sleep, and it it's ma- it massively affects everyone, um, including obviously for kids when they're growing and there's a lot going on there. Um, it has a big effect, but I think people I think a lot of adults forget that they have been affected in exactly the same ways, um, and they they tend to put all the focus on their kids and making sure it's all been done right for them, and they put themselves in the back burner and they end up eating crap because they're unorganised because they've been too busy looking after the kids and then that ends up having an effect it's just a a massive kind of yo-yo effect um something that like as part of my program like what I've created is a community of like-minded people who are all kind of striving aiming for the same results and I find that that's been a massive driver of results because everyone realizes like it's not just them that's in this position and they all end up learning from each other. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me that's doing all the work. It's not just me that's um, kind of giving all the help and advice. They they end up learning stuff and helping and advising each other. And I think as soon as you get a community of people like that, then they thrive off each other. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's when it can start to have that knock-on effect and they can pass on the information and stuff, which is really good. It's the
1: ripple effect. And that when you tell one person something that goes in, you never know how far you can go, but you've always mm-hmm. got to start with that one person. So it's the same same stage, the of a thousand miles starts with one step, it's the same as that. Take one step forward for anybody listening make to then. And it's been a great debate talking about kids and and adults, but all alike, it doesn't really make a difference what one has. Mm-hmm. We all need to be eating better, we all need to get fitter and healthier mentally as well as physically, so you can enjoy life full, full as much as possible. So it goes back to the same thing what we said we need a bit communication and better education. Put the two the together and get it and join everyone. So thank you, Mel, for coming along. That was brilliant. Um thank you, Leanne, again, as usual, for tonight as well. Um if anybody does want to contact us to let us know any comments you want about what's happening tonight, how can they get in touch with you, Mel?
2: Um, my main source of can I contact will probably be Instagram. So um Oh, it's Mel YPT20 um, is my Instagram name. Um, yeah, just drop me a message on that. Give me a follow. There's always um, value and content on there that you can you can learn stuff from. Good. And Leanne,
1: how do you get in touch
0: with you? So you can contact me either email me at realityspace at gmail.com or you can go on my website at uk or contact me on Facebook or via Tony.
1: All right, thank you, Lisa. And as usual, just email me as normal. Uh, Tony totally got on at of Limited.com. Remember, the limited's LTV. Tony got changingmylimited.com. Any suggestions that as well, we've got two more episodes left of this series. um, And then it'll be changed slightly for series five coming up later on in the year. So anything and questions you've got for the next couple of weeks, please let us know as soon as you can so we can get them onto the show. Um, So anything at all, let us know that. Any comment, any suggestions, any affair tonight, you yeah, either agree with or you don't, um, let us know about that as well because it's always good to get other people's opinions. So otherwise, as usual, just take care of yourself, take care of your families, and good night from me.
0: Good
2: night from me. And good night from me. Thanks for having me, Tony.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for more great conversation, valuable tips and positive ideas, allowing you to take your first step towards learning, growing, and succeeding.